your number one Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast featuring Aaron and Anthony. On behalf of 32-Bit, I would like to welcome you to the Dynasty A-Team. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your, what is it, third episode now, gentlemen? Yeah. Third time's charm, baby. Third time's a charm. Let's make this the best one that we've had yet. So, how was your guys' weekend so far? Well, it's the end of the weekend, but how was it? Man, it's it's pretty solid out here. I mean, I think Garrett can probably attest to it, too. We've got finally some summer weather here in the Midwest, and it is, uh, it's a good time. We got the hockey... Um, lottery tonight so as blue jacket fans we're gonna be mad there but that's okay because we're here to focus on football (laughs) we are here to focus on football thank you for that because blue jackets fans have had it rough this year rough this year garrett talk to me a little bit about the blue jackets yep yep tonight's the uh the draft lottery the columbus blue jackets came in second last to finish the season so there i mean nobody's guaranteed to get the first overall pick not even the last place anaheim ducks but it would have been nice to get that last place spot because there is a player coming into the league this year who's projected to go first overall who is supposed to be just just generational you know he's supposed to be a Sidney crosby alex ovechkin-esque player uh, if you don't know who those are, just imagine Patrick Mahomes and hockey player's body. Yep. Yeah. No, that that's actually a really good description of that. So if everyone could just give us, you know, just a little little bit of some time so that way we can hopefully get the Blue Jackets. I would like some prayers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gentlemen. All right. So let's get back to talking about football. Today, we are going to be talking about some players, some current players, not ones that were just drafted, but that have had a positive offseason, a negative offseason, and then we're going to look at some sleepers as well. So, Aaron, I am going to pass to you. Give me your first player that essentially got better through the offseason. Okay, yeah, I think uh, starting with my players, I think that you're going to see some common threads here. Um, Sometimes it's not just the individuals, but sometimes it's specific teams that are going to have a rosier, uh, gloomier outlook for fantasy purposes, in my opinion. Um, And one of the probably top guys for me from a positive outlook after this draft is going to be Rashad White. Um, A third-round pick out of Arizona State in last year's draft, Rashad White had a pretty good rookie season. Um, He he found moments. He found the end zone a couple times, even though he was playing with Leonard Fournette and Tom Brady, obviously. Uh, But leaving the draft this year, Leonard Fournette seems to be gone. Um, I'm going to say seems because as of uh, time of taping, he's not been signed. So, I mean, I guess he could come back to the Bucs. But currently no Leonard Fournette on the uh, depth chart in Tampa Bay. Um, they did not take a running back in the draft. They paid Sean Tucker um, fairly handsomely for an undrafted free agent contract. Um, but even with Tucker, I mean, you're going into the season right now with Rashad White. Um, you got Chase Edmonds, who they did sign to a minimum contract. But, I mean, last year Chase Edmonds bounced between two teams, made no real impact, and I'm not too worried about him. And then they've got Keyshawn Vaughn. So, for me, Rashad White has running back one type value, and even though we don't know who the quarterback is, I think his stock is way up based off of the draft this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I really, really like uh, Rashad White for this year. My only issue is, and I know that I said it on a previous show, but Sean Tucker is quite, quite good. 
Um, he definitely had the makings of being a top running back in this year's draft. And just unfortunately, he had some medical issues that he has since seemingly um, gotten better with and he got in the all clear. So I, I do worry a little bit about Sean Tucker this year, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that regardless, um, Sean Tucker's involvement, I think the backfield is pretty clearly Rashad White's at this point. And I mean, based on the fact where last year, um, Leonard Fournette being in the way, there was no clear path to an RB1 status for him. I think that even if Sean Tucker gets a couple snaps here and there, um, the value from a dynasty perspective is way up on Rashad White. And I think that uh, he's going to get plenty of opportunities this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, I want, I want people to kind of pump a little bit with, Rashad White going as high as he is and whatnot. That's just my Sean Tucker uh, stand going at it. Um, my next guy that I want to talk about is Lamar Jackson uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. How could Lamar have not won the offseason, y'all? Like, how could he have not? He got a great new contract. He's the highest paid quarterback or highest paid player ever. Correct me. I believe both for the NFL at this point. Okay, so he got a nice fancy... New contract, everything was great. He, they made a heavy investment in the skill positions. You know, they signed OBJ, they drafted, unfortunately, Zay Flowers. But regardless, they beefed up um, the attack, the passing attack for Lamar Jackson. Um, there's a new offensive coordinator in place. Um, I think, what's his name again? Todd? Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin, yes. Todd Munkin. I think he's going to do wonders, wonders for the Ravens offensively. Um, and they already have a really good offensive line. It's the number two O-line um, from last year. So, yeah, I, I'm buying Lamar Jackson. I actually just bought him in mine and Garrett's Dynasty League. Thank you. Um, yeah, talk to me, Aaron. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to disagree. Um, being an AFC North fan, I'm well aware of the Ravens' uh, status. And I think that, like you said, they heavily invested in the offense this offseason. They're going to have a healthy backfield going into the season, provided not everybody tears their ACLs in the preseason once again. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with you. Lamar Jackson's stock is up. I don't know if I would call him an MVP favorite just because of the other heavy hitters in the league. But, I mean, whatever you think his passing ceiling is, they're putting him in a spot where he's going to come close to that ceiling, and the rushing is always going to be there with him. So it, it's hard not to like the fit with Lamar Jackson in, in Baltimore right now. Yeah, I was I was really excited that he signed that deal with Baltimore because I think his fantasy potential is the highest in Baltimore. I think they're going to scheme him up. You know, like I said, they got the new OC. They're going to scheme him up, and he's going to have, do I say, QB1 season overall? I mean, you can say it. I'm not going to agree, but you can say it. <laughs> All right, Aaron, fine, boo. Here goes my fun. Talk to me about your next guy. Uh, so sticking with the AFC North theme, I think that this one is a is, is a little cheeky, as some people might call it. Um, or maybe I should have said chubby, um, because I'm going with Nick Chubb, because... <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Had to. Um, King of the dad jokes. Um, so Nick Chubb is my next winner for this um, draft season because, again, same situation as Rashad White. Seemingly, Nick Chubb is going to be the um, sole uh, remaining running back from the Cleveland backfield from a year ago. Um, Kareem Hunt is going to be gone. Uh, Dearness Johnson, who was also fantasy relevant when he was getting snaps, is now with Jacksonville. 
They did not take a running back in the draft, and his current backup is going to be um, former day three pick Jerome Ford, the running back who initially started at Alabama, transferred to Cincinnati, and last year he had eight rushes for all of 12 yards. Um, so I think Nick Chubb is looking up this offseason. Um, this will be the first season that he's been without Kareem Hunt since his rookie season in 2018. Um, they did have Carlos Hyde then, too, who got some snaps back at that point. But um, this is really going to be the first time where we see Nick Chubb as the RB1 with really no seeming uh, backup that's going to take some snaps from him. So I think his stock has to be up this season. You know what's interesting is I actually had him on this list this morning when I was typing all this out. Um, and I took him off because I was like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to say Nick Chubb. It's going to, again, get a little, I'm going to say cheeky, not chubby. But um, I agree with you, Aaron. I really do. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a uh, have a great season. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's a little risk to it probably just based on, uh, I mean, usually with that timeshare, he gets plenty of carries. He gets his, but this year... It, there's going to be a lot of lean on him. I'm not saying he's old, but for in running back years, he's, he's getting towards the end of the, uh, the prime and um, not having that second back there. I think that there's a chance he could get run into the ground, but I mean, Nick Chubb's also, he's, he's built the last man. He's, he's Dura last. <laughs> he's Dura last. Okay. Two for two, Aaron. <laughs> My next one that I'm going to talk about is Brandon Cooks, um, who is now the wide receiver two for the Dallas Cowboys. Honestly, when I got the news that Brandon Cooks was signing with the Dallas Cowboys, I was so, so happy. He gets an immediate quarterback upgrade. You know, however you feel about Dak, he's still a very competent, very good quarterback. But not only is he getting the quarterback upgrade, He's not the number one option anymore, meaning there's going to be less attention on him. You're going to have all that attention on CeeDee Lamb, and everything is going to kind of run through him, which is good. It's going to make Brandon Cooks um, kind of get open a little bit more. And then there was no wide receiver drafted until the seventh round for Dallas. So Brandon Cooks to the moon. That's what I got. Yeah, I mean, I think that Brandon Cooks would have only possibly made more sense with Seattle just because, in my opinion, he's the definition of just not fun. Um, <laughs> I've never really been a big Brandon Cooks drafter by any means, but I, I think that you've got great sentiment here. I think that um, Brandon Cooks might have fit b- better into our sleeper um, section later, in my opinion. Um, I'm not going to be overly thrilled about him, but I think he's going to present a great value in a lot of drafts this season. Um, as far as the wide receivers go, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with Michael Gallup. I think that wide receiver two and three with Dallas is both going to have value because the tight end production is not going to be what it's been in the past couple of years. So for, for Brandon Cooks, I think that he's in a great position. He's got a pretty good amount of upside. CD limits it a little bit, but I think that, you know, another thousand yard receiver season with six to eight touchdowns is definitely not out of the equation. And um, yeah, not taking a wide receiver just gives him that much more green of a light to me. Let me tell you what, if he goes for over a thousand yards and has six to eight touchdowns, I will take that every single day of the week in fantasy. Absolutely. Oh man, that's what I'm holding you to now. Aaron, talk to me about some guy that you do not like that I surprisingly don't really like either. Ooh, I like this one. Go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I don't know which one you want me to talk about now, but uh, 
if we're prefacing this by saying it's someone we don't like, I want to walk that back because I absolutely love the guy I'm going to touch on first. So much so that I'm going to say that we need to have a moment of silence. Thank you um, for attending the funeral of... (laughs) For attending the funeral of Tyler Algier, Atlanta Falcons running back. Um, Last year, I was beating the drum for Tyler Algier. He had great tape coming out of college. I believe he only spent two years as a running back in college. He was a converted linebacker. And, uh, I mean, going to Atlanta last season, I don't know what more the guy could have done. 210 rushes, 1,035 yards, almost five yards a carry. Um, He came in and he produced in that Atlanta Falcon system that wants to run the ball. He did his... He did his best, and then this season they just spent the eighth pick on Bijan Robinson. So, I mean, while my opinion on Tyler Algier, the running back, hasn't changed. Algier. Tyler Algier. Algier. I'm going to say Algier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Tyler, Tyler, um, as we're just going to refer to him now, I mean, he's a negative by circumstance, not production, in my opinion. And and that's unfortunate because while this year I still think that he can hold some flex value or a high-end handcuff type position, um, I mean, there's only so much you can do regardless of running back when there's eighth overall pick capital and B. John Robinson is entering the room because he's going to get his. And um, Tyler still might get some uh, touches, but... It's it's a sad situation. Um, I, I, I hate to see it personally. Yeah, I was actually high on Tyler Algier as well. And I want to be, I just want to be clear that when I said that I like it, I agree with you thinking that there was a massive value loss. Um, and I think Tyler Algier definitely fits that. I was really, really high on him as well. And it just unfortunately did not work out. I think that something interesting to keep in mind here is when you look at um, Arthur Smith and the Tennessee offense, Derrick Henry's never really had a high-level backup by certain means. I mean, Dontrell Hilliard's been fantasy irrelevant-ish, relevant. Um, but with Tyler Algier, um, Algier, there you go. With Tyler Algier in the backfield, I do wonder if they're going to give him some carries still and what that looks like. So, I mean, I'm still going to be taking him as somebody who maybe not my absolute flex play in redraft leagues, um, but I'll be looking at him on my bench for redraft leagues. And as far as dynasty leagues go, I would still almost consider him an acquire candidate just because I'm guessing I haven't personally went out and tested this. So maybe I will for our next episode. His value is way down. Um, So, I mean, if you can flip. Oh, yeah you know, a third or a fourth round pick in your dynasty rookie drafts for Tyler Algier at this point, then I'm, I would look at that because I think that if, if he's still talented and still runs well in the opportunities he gets this season, he might be a prime trade candidate going forward. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. He could, we could see um, like a James Robinson esque um, type of career path, hopefully with a little bit of a better ending, but, and the other guy who, I think is not like just he lost value this offseason is Christian Watson and I really really like Christian Watson but going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love at quarterback that's definitely a downgrade and how, how many offensive skill position players did the Packers actually end up drafting because I know it was like four through what day two it, it was four altogether um, oh, okay four altogether yeah, yeah and 
I mean, you're going to see that Jordan Love is going to rely, I hope, on one sole guy, and I think that could be Christian Watson, but there are a lot more mouths to feed now in that Green Bay Packers offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't agree, but I do agree. So with Christian Watson, I, I think that obviously the switch to Jordan Love is going to lose him some value no matter what. I think that's common sense, um, at least probably for this season, maybe not so much in the future. But I, I think that even though the Green Bay Packers invested in the skill positions, he's still got such a skill set that's unique and uh, kind of prototypical of a wide receiver one. I don't think there's any worry for Christian Watson and his target share. He's, he's still going to be the wide receiver one. I mean, Jaden Reed's a slot receiver. Dontavian Wicks is a six-round pick. Um, and Romeo Dobbs, while he proved that he belongs on the field, I don't think that he's going to take Christian Watson's uh, targets either. So I don't think his value diminished too much, but... I think that he is somebody who you could possibly buy low on um, if he gets out of the gates with a couple slow weeks with Jordan Love at quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I understand. I disagree though, um, especially with the tight ends coming in as well. Who did they draft? It wasn't um, Laporta. It was Musgrave, right? Yep, Luke Musgrave, and then Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. Yeah, man. I don't know. There's just a lot of posi- there's a lot of pass catchers coming into this offense. But talk to me about another pass catcher. And another offense. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of dogged on this offense last week, and I'm going to continue doing it today because one of the biggest losers in fantasy value from this draft season to me is Michael Pittman, the wide receiver from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Kind of in the same light as the wide receivers that we just discussed with Christian Watson. Um, Michael Pittman gets Anthony Richardson out the gates, it sounds like. Um, The same Anthony Richardson that just completed 53.8% of his passes at the college level this past season is going to be taking over the the helm. Um, If you look at the Colts this offseason, they added Isaiah McKenzie. They paid him. They drafted Josh Downs. So their wide receiver core is going to have some more mouths to feed. They've got Jelani Woods and Mo Alley-Cox. They've got the 6'8 tight ends that are going to be target monsters down the middle. Um, And last year, Michael Pittman actually um, topped out at a career best 141 targets last season, but only caught 925 yards with those targets. So he actually had a down dip in production from a yardage standpoint from his sophomore season two years ago. Um, So, I mean, looking at the Colts offense, will there be an upgrade in passing efficiency? I tend to not believe that that's going to be the case. Um, and then adding in Isaiah McKenzie and, George, and Josh Downs to go with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, I just don't necessarily see him commanding the target share that he had last season. I think if you've got Anthony Richardson, who's not the most accurate um, completion percentage type of quarterback, I think there's a chance that you see him target those giant tight ends early. And uh, the value for me from Michael Pittman is, is down this offseason. Yeah, no, I agree with you as well. Um, They also have one of the worst offensive lines, I believe, according to PFF. I don't know what their rank is, but their offensive line is a mess as well. And not only is that going to be crucial for Anthony Richardson kind of moving forward, that's going to be crucial for Michael Pittman as well, who is, again, like you said, the number one wide receiver in Indy. So I I do agree with you. I think Michael Pittman is um, is definitely a loser this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think for fantasy purposes, the Colts are going to almost be a Baltimore light 
situation um, this season. I agree with that. I I question how many passing yards there are going to be to go around. Um, I think even if Anthony Richardson improves, you're not looking at a 300-yard-a-week type of passer. Um, So when they completed their wide receiver room like that, I I just don't know what the uh, upside is for Michael Pittman um, in the near future. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Let's talk about Terry McLaurin then, because I think he's kind of in the same realm as Michael Pittman as well. You know, you can talk about Anthony Richardson being a quote-unquote quarterback upgrade, and I believe he's going to be, but he is still raw, like we just said. And Terry McLaurin also has kind of gone on the same plane with having Sam Howell being his starter this upcoming year. There wasn't a lot of investment in skilled players, and that means that more attention is going to be on Terry McLaurin throughout every game. He's going to be the focal point of the offense, and there's really nothing to do about that. So I do think he's going to see more bracket or kind of double coverage in situations. And they're also learning a new scheme with Eric Bieniemy coming in. Um, it's probably going to be something that's very easy, fairly simple for quarterbacks to run, so that way Sam Howell can succeed and make Terry McLaurin a better player. But there's just too many moving pieces here for me to not downgrade Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I mean, I will be the first one to admit I have the Ohio State bias when it comes to Terry McLaurin. Um, so I I see what you're saying, but I'm prefacing my statement by announcing that. So um, for me, I, I think that you make good points. I think also important to bring up Terry McLaurin for the longest time has been the wide receiver one in Washington with no help around him as far as target share goes. Um, I believe at one time he was lining up with Cam Sims and Adam Humphreys at the other two wide receiver positions. So having Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson going into year two, I think that that'll single him up as far as coverage goes a little bit. Um, And I mean, McLaurin's produced with the absolute bottom of the barrel at quarterback for Washington for years. So while I agree that the ceiling and the uh, excitement level that we're probably looking for from a guy like Terry McLaurin definitely was not um, improved upon this offseason, I think that we've kind of seen him at his floor as far as QB play goes. So while he might be down a, a slight tick, I, I don't think that he's actually down um, a lot overall personally, but I can definitely see the the concerns with Sam Howell and uh, in the system. Yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest part is just the system um, that he's changing to and that, I mean, Sam Howe, we, we don't know how good Sam Howe is going to be. Um, so it, it just worries me. It concerns me. But I definitely think that I would have been happier drafting Terry McLaurin earlier, like right at the end of last season, than I do right now. Yeah, and I think that you brought up an interesting point because I haven't personally thought about it too much, but I wonder what Eric Bieniemy does for that offense because while he's been renowned as an offensive genius, this is also going to be the first time that we see him outside of the scope of Patrick Mahomes. And while Tyreek Hill is his own thing, um, Bieniemy hasn't been the most friendly uh, system to wide receivers. And, th- and that could be a Kelsey and Tyreek Hill thing. There- there's a lot that we don't know, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. Let's move on to our sleepers section. Um, oh, look. Give me another Ohio State player. I mean, I would gladly because I've been scooping him up in underdog fantasy best ball drafts all off season, and I'm going to continue to do so. Um, underdog Fantasy, the official sponsor of the Dynasty A-Team, um, coming to you in the next year or so. 
Um, <laughs> um, Aaron, I'm sorry. As as the producer, I'm going to have to say that Underdog is definitely not an official sponsor of the Dynasty A team. Thank you. I said I said not yet. You got to shoot your shot, man. Anywho, the official running back of the seventh round of underdog fantasy drafts near you, J.K. Dobbins from the Baltimore Ravens is my sleeper pick this year because kind of what we mentioned with the Baltimore offense um, with the Lamar Jackson segment, I think that with having Jackson and the wide receivers, you're going to see the field spread out immensely when teams go up against Baltimore this year. And with J.K. Dobbins, I, I don't know if it's just being slept on or forgotten, but during the last four games where he came back at the end of the last season, um, J.K. came back without Lamar Jackson. All of the games were with Tyler Huntley or with um, the guy from Oregon, Anthony Anthony Smith. Is that Was that his name? The third mm, I string? I can't remember. Um, regardless, if you don't know his name, the point remains. J.K. Dobbins in his last four games down the stretch came in and lit it up. While he didn't hit the end zone as much as you'd want, um, he ran for eight yards, 9.6, 4.9, and 5.5 yards per carry in those four last four games. Um, this season, they did not draft a running back. They let Kenyon Drake go. Um, the Baltimore's in the past been a team that's just absolutely hoarded running backs, and they've kind of all seen the field. And this year, you're looking at a 28-year-old Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, who's never really carried a workload for Baltimore, and then J.K. Dobbins. So with the field opening up in Baltimore and the um, performance down the stretch without Lamar Jackson as an extra threat for the offense, I think J.K. Dobbins is in a position to command a great RB1 workload. And I think that the potential, especially if he starts hitting the end zone, is going to be through the roof for J.K. Dobbins of Baltimore. Yeah, no, I actually really like this pick. I did trade J.K. Dobbins in one of my uh, dynasty leagues a little bit earlier in the offseason, and I'm, I'm a little upset now with kind of looking at how that is going to shape up for fantasy. I think he's going to be a really, really good um, pick this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting because I feel like I just keep hitting on the AFC North, and that just made, makes everything seem a little bit more gloom as a Steelers fan, but um, Baltimore is going to be fun, and so is Cincinnati and I guess Cleveland could be too. Um, so lots to go around in the AFC North this year. Well, speaking of fun and fun to go around, I'm really hoping that there's a lot of that going around with the New England Patriots um, on offense this year. I wasn't the biggest Juju, Juju fan um, when he was in Pittsburgh. I wasn't a big fan of him when he came over to Kansas City either. Um, he grew on me a little bit, but I'm really, really hoping that he can thrive in this New England Patriots offense. Um, he's going to be the true number one option there in New England. Uh, I think Devontae Parker and then uh, Keishon Boutte are going to push him for snaps, um, which is also going to leave him open for just more opportunities to kind of be that focal option, that focal point. Um, I think he'll probably be um, schemed open a little bit more in the Pats system um, than in Kansas City where Patrick Mahomes is continuing to prove that he can throw to whoever and win big games. Yeah, I mean... The gimmick has kind of run its course for me with Juju, so I think that I probably fall in line with a lot of other fantasy users and the fact that he's a sleeper not because of the opportunity. He's a sleeper because there are a lot of people who've fallen asleep on Juju, myself included. Um, <laughs> as far as... Aaron, are you going to like agree with me on any of my takes tonight? I'm getting there, man. I'm just alluding to the fact <laughs> that, you know, I'm, 
maybe I'm in the wrong for falling asleep on him. He's in the sleeper category, not because of the opportunity he's got in New England, but just because people like myself have literally just fallen asleep on the guy. Um, and I think that you bring up a good point that New England's a, a system that can scheme up certain wide receivers and it can make opportunities where other people can't. And I think that uh, an important thing in me viewing the Patriots this season is a guy who I really like, Jacoby Myers, is no longer there. Um, and even if Juju steps into that Jacoby Myers role, I think that that's a great niche for him to be able to carve out. Um, I'm curious to see what how they use him. I think that even um, later in the year in Kansas City, he kind of settled into a slot role that I don't know um, is the most optimal for Juju from a fantasy perspective. So we'll see how he's released. And I think that the opportunity is high here. So I think that you hit the nail on the head. He's literally a sleeper and there's opportunity with that. So I, I don't think that you're wrong at all. Oh, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that. Um, let's hear about your next wrong take though. I'm um, in James Conner. Say my next wrong take. That's what I said. Yes, your next wrong take. Yeah, I mean, I'm so mad you haven't really been agreeing with me tonight, man. Okay, I mean that's fair. I James Conner, he's not a sexy name at all whatsoever. Um, to put him in the sleeper category kind of feels wrong, but when looking at the off season and the additions made to certain teams, I don't know how he's not a sleeper because even though I don't really want James Conner, I don't really believe in James Conner at this point, not to a crazy extent, but. When you do nothing to address your backfield and you're sitting there with James Conner, Keontae Ingram, and the ghost of Corey Clement and the Philadelphia Eagles past on the depth chart, it's kind of hard not to say, hey, maybe I should give James Conner a look. I mean, last year he finished RB19. He only played 13 games, so he had a lot of touchdown production, same as his first year in Arizona where I believe he finished as a top five running back with Kyler Murray there for the whole season. Again, it's... it. It's not that I believe in James Conner or that I want to say that he's just a fantasy difference maker. Looking at the draft and the lack of additions during free agency, 28-year-old James Conner is going to carry value this season, and if he's a guy who I can slot into my flex, I'm going to be pretty happy with knowing that he's going to get touches each and every week. I might even kind of push him up to um, a low-end RB2 for this year. I think James Conner definitely has shown that upside and, you know, I, I think he's going to get his touches still. Um, yeah, I mean, he yeah, he did pick, man. technically finish as an RB2 last year. And, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to say where he's going to be going in drafts yet, but I'm guessing he's not going to be going in RB2 territory because, like I said, he's not an exciting name. But if if you can get him as your RB2, RB3, I think he's a, he's a great stash and one that's not going to lose you your fantasy football championship. Yeah, look, I, uh, I I had James Conner on my dynasty team last year and on one of my redraft teams last year, and he was a huge part of the success that I had in both of those leagues. Um, yeah, he had he had great touchdown production last year, and that was a big part of his points. And it kind of comes down to the fact that there isn't much else going on there. And yeah, he's um, he was kind of hot in Pittsburgh, and then he's getting older now, and yeah, we're starting to expect him to drop off. So I'm not saying, you know, you don't want to go out and chase after this guy dynasty-wise, but if you have him on your team, there is no reason that you should like truly try to get rid of him because I still think, I still have belief in him. Yeah, and I think that clearly Arizona does too, and whether or not we want to believe it and, and pursue pursue it as fantasy owners, I mean, it's it's something that's kind of, it, it's just a fact that we have to deal with. And 
And I know that I'm not exciting many people by putting him in the sleeper section, but circumstance <laughs> kind of made me do it. I think they extended his contract like last off season or the off season before something like that. So yeah, they obviously see something in him that they like. And I expect him to probably dip a little bit this year. He's getting older, but the the opportunity is definitely there. And I think it's a player worth taking a chance on definitely in a redraft. Yeah, I league, think but. anywhere, um, if you're looking like anywhere from like RB20 to RB26 probably is where I would expect him to finish. Um, with, I mean, the value that you're getting for him, I'll take it all day long. Talking about value, let's talk about Traylon Burks um, for the Tennessee Titans. Is that right, Traylon or Traylon? Traylon, you, you had it right Tra- the first time. Don't doubt yourself. Okay, thank Aaron. If you could be like that all the time, that'd be great. Power of positivity, 2023. <laughs> so Traylon Burks uh, from the Tennessee Titans. The Titans made a heavy, heavy, heavy investment into their O-line. Um, now, whether or not Ryan Tannehill um, is going to be the quarterback for the entire season, if we're going to see a little bit of Will Levis, who knows. But Traylon Burks is still going to have a quarterback that's able to stand upright and throw the ball, which is all we could ever ask for. Um, he doesn't have as many skill position players around him. Um, so that's there's the attention is going to be him. Like he will be the attention, which is good, but there is some downside to that as well. I just think that Traylon Burks is better than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to put you to the test here in a second. But I I like this pick a lot. I think that Traylon Burks is somebody who's not going to hold a lot of value, but he's going to have a lot more upside than the value that he does have. Um, so I mean. I like him a lot. I'd put him in my top five of the wide receivers from last year's class. I think that he showed a unique skill set that he made some plays last year where it's like, throw the ball up and I'm going to go get it. And that's a skill that not everybody has. And I think that that's going to carry his value to an extent. But um, I am interested to see what happens to the Tennessee quarterback. So that builds a little hesitation for me but like i said i think that burke's upside is going to outweigh the draft position that you're going to find him at this fall yeah no i completely agree i'm going to be really excited to um kind of acquire him for a little bit cheaper um than what he was originally going for when he came out as a rookie back to the rookie part that you mentioned there um so he's your sleeper where is Traylon burks in your 2022 wide receiver rankings hmm that, Aaron, is a wonderful question. I'm going to have to look at a list of them again so that way I can... All right, I'm going to name name off receivers. Tell me Traylon Burks or receiver. Traylon Burks or Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Burks. Traylon Burks or Christian Watson. I would probably take Watson. Traylon Burks or Jameson Williams. Uh, Burks. Traylon Burks or George Pickens? Still Burks. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> didn't see that one. <laughs> Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson? Still Burks. Traylon Burks or Chris Olave? Oh, Chris Olave, definitely. Okay. And I'm assuming you're not taking Burks over Garrett Wilson or Drake London. Uh, absolutely not. Okay. Nobody gets moved ahead of Drake London. So, gotcha. So, yeah, you're, I mean, you're pretty strong with Traylon Burks there. I'm, uh, so, a little surprised that you would take him over George Pickens, um, but sticking with your guns, it's your sleeper. <laughs> I always stick with my guns, Aaron. 
I always do. Um, Garrett, we didn't really hear much from you for this show. Uh, do you have any um, opinions on who you think would be either a good value um, or someone that lost a lot of value or just anything in between? Um, we, we, we touched on it a little bit before, um, but we were speaking of Michael Pittman specifically. Uh, one player who I've heard of you know, losing some value is going to be Alec Pierce, which, I mean, you know, he's coming into his second year. He didn't do much last year, so I guess it's kind of hard to lose value. But coming into this season, I was pretty excited for the guy. I wanted him last year for the rookie draft, and he didn't wind up falling to me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of bummed about it because I, I wound up trading a pick for Alec Pierce, and um, I, I mean, it was still, a, I think it was a fine trade. I think I'm getting a lot more value for um, Alec Pierce than I would have for, I think it was a third round pick that I drafted him for, and I was looking at the players on the board, and I wasn't crazy about any of them, and it, there, there wasn't a spot that I really needed filled, so somebody came to me, wanted the, uh, wanted the trade, and I was like, I like Alec Pierce, I want to take a chance on him. Um, I'm hoping that that's not how it winds up being. Obviously, there's a lot of questions offense-wise in a lot of different teams this year because there are so many teams that are fielding rookie quarterbacks this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Aaron, I want to pose this to you really quickly. So that pick that Garrett was talking about um, with Alec Pierce, um, the player that was drafted at that position was actually Roshan Johnson. Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Roshan or Pierce? Alec Pierce. You would rather have Alec Pierce. Tell me why. Um, I mean, I think that Alec Pierce is a wide receiver. I mean, he's a starting wide receiver in Indianapolis. I think that Roshan Johnson, while the opportunity is there for him to make some noise in Chicago, um, I personally think Khalil Herbert is going to win that backfield. So I, I would probably just take Alec Pierce. Yeah. I'd actually probably agree with you as well. Yeah. I well, think good. I definitely would. So, Garrett, good work, man. That's what we love to see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, there's a lot of questions and a lot of fantasy footballs kind of just taking a stab in the dark and hoping that something falls your way. But we'll see what Anthony Richardson can do. Well, gentlemen, thank you again for always joining me at this lovely hour. Um, That's all I got for y'all. Do you have any final closing remarks or thoughts? Uh, Sure. I mean, while we're on the Buckeye train and talking about the Bears, somebody I didn't include in this list that I wanted to, Justin Fields, huge winner this offseason. He's going to be a top five quarterback in fantasy football this year. But we can get into that over the summer. So, Justin Fields, write it down. Top five? Top five fantasy quarterback in 2023, Justin Fields. That is correct. Okay. Um, Probably top three, but I'm not trying to just be that chaotic. Can't wait to talk about our ranking show for this upcoming season. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Have a good night.